0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Keenan over at Lateral Limits, your friendly neighborhood SOT. This is our fourth episode of the podcast entitled Cheap Therapy. So this particular episode is sort of off the cuff. I didn't really plan on this one, and I'm going to be kind of shooting from the hip, but there are a couple things that are pretty near and dear to my heart as a business owner that I really wanted to uh, touch base on. So that being said, we'll get right into it. The first thing... That I really wanted to talk about this evening. And by the way, I'm not having a guest this particular episode. I have a couple guests lined up for the next few episodes. So that should be fun talking about different, different aspects of entrepreneurship as well as um, uh, manhood. So we're going to, next uh, the next episode, we will dabble a little bit into entrepreneurship, but uh, we'll really be speaking heavily on combative sports. So for the next episode of the podcast, I'll be bringing in a very good friend of mine uh Jerry Gonzalez. So Jerry is my professor at uh I've been training jiu jitsu now for 8 months. I'm in a bit of a delayed program as he likes to call it where I I really obviously I'm extremely busy with my business. But I've been going about once once a week, I've been twice a week a couple of times or for the most part it's about once a week that I've been going to train uh in jiu jitsu. So Jerry is my professor, he owns the gym. I train at Wolfpack MMA in Forney. Have a great time doing it, love it. Uh, so I decided to bring Jerry on as a guest onto the podcast. So tomorrow we will dab a little bit, a little into entrepreneurship. But I'd really like to start talking more on sort of the, you know, the masculinity, manhood side, as well as obviously there's women who do combative sports as well. Uh, but really, I want to talk more about that that correlation between brotherhood and combative sports and stuff. So which we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, in the next episode. But for now, uh, there are a couple things that I really want to talk about that are more near and dear to my heart. Uh, and the first being, uh, reviews. So as a, as a business owner, how do we gauge, how do we gauge reviews? What sort of criteria goes into a review and how, how, and why does that matter to my small business? Now, when I talk about reviews, so supposedly there was an online survey done that about 95-ish percent of people look heavily at reviews before they buy a product online, right? Because essentially when you're in the store, the pressure is a little bit more on. You don't really have time to look up reviews or ask experts questions, previous buyers questions about that specific product while you're in the store but well, you are more inclined to do a little bit more research when you are online, right? Which is totally understandable. So personally, my toxic trait is I love to buy a video game off of like the Xbox store with doing little to no research about this video game. Take for example, last one I did. Uh, last two main ones that I did that were just abysmal failures in my book. I just, I'm not really into the game. I love Fallout 4. So when Fallout 76 came out, I bought that. Absolute atrocious shithole of a game. Terrible game. I hated it. I played the whole thing for about two hours. Spent like 70 bucks on the thing. Hated it. But the, again, I didn't really look up reviews because I trusted in that product line. I loved the Fallout series leading up to Fallout 76. thought Fallout 76 was terrible. Moving on. Uh, Elden Ring. I've never played a Souls game, but I downloaded Elden Ring. It's just not really... like I I, I I did try to look up a review video. I watched a gameplay video off of YouTube. It was like an hour and a half long. I made it like 45 seconds into the video. And I was like, oh wow, this, this looks pretty cool. The graphics are pretty dope. So I bought it, played it for a little bit, realized everything in this game wants to kill me. This is like the most difficult game I've ever played. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm over it. Haven't played it since. So that's like my personal toxic trait. Now, most consumers online will tend to look up reviews on a specific product before they buy it, which makes total sense, right? I totally get it. Now, reviews on a business are a little bit different. Like I feel like people are, are less inclined to look up reviews of a restaurant, I suppose, before they go eat there, or look up reviews of a boutique before they go shop there. So I think reviews on the side of a business might be a little bit more different than like reviews on a product. So I, w- I did want to get that out of the way. Now, reviews on the side of the business. If you're a business owner and you start getting negative or neutral reviews about let's say your customer service. Obviously that gives you a little bit something to work towards. But I don't want you to fret about your overall like star rating off of like let's say Google or Facebook. Because you're always going to tend to sort of get these people who just bombard you or just who didn't have the the greatest experience and like let's say Okay, if I go to a restaurant and the steak is, you know, mildly overcooked, I ask for medium. I got medium rare, or I'm sorry, medium well, right? I get a steak. I order it medium. I get it medium well. As me personally, I'd probably just eat it, right? But some people are more inclined to complain about that sort of thing, which I totally get. You're paying for a specific product that you really wanted, and if you should, if you want that product, right, you get it the way you want it as a consumer. Now, you have to, like I said, you have to give the business an opportunity to fix that. Now, as far as, as far as if I were to get a negative review, there are several different ways to skin that particular cat. So if, for example, all right, uh, since lateral limits has been open, I've gotten one less than four star review on Google. So I got a four-star, dude left no context to it whatsoever. I got a one-star review, and I'm going to tell you the story about it. I was going to wait until I was going to bring in Earl Stigler, who, if you listen, I want to say it was in the second episode of the podcast where I talked about Earl's restaurant uh, Seller's Table in Sunnyvale. Great little place, by the way. If you haven't been there, you should definitely check it out. I'll eventually ask Earl, I just haven't had the chance to talk to him about it. But so my first, my first negative review, and I knew that was going to happen. So here's exactly what happened, which I totally did not deserve this one star. Like this is ridiculous that I got it, but we'll talk about it. So my first one star review. At the time, this was my first non five star review. My one star review that I got was from a gentleman. I had posted a cult python on Texas Gun Trader. Which for those of you who aren't from Texas, Texas Gun Trader is sort of like, uh, I guess like Craigslist, but for guns, right? It's an online website that you can, you know, create a profile or whatever. And then you can just like search through classifieds of, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff other than guns. But for the most part, it's just like guns and ammo. So I posted my Python on there. I stated that, you know, I was a business and all that other stuff. You know, it was a gun store. It wasn't a private party transfer. So we had a guy message us asking if the Python was still available. We responded back saying yes um, with our phone number. So he called the shop, uh, spoke to Trevor. Trevor worked with us at the time. Spoke with Trevor and asked about um, the availability to, to come in. And Trevor's like, oh, you know, our hours are, you know, Tuesday to Friday from 9.30 to 6 and Saturday, 9.30 to 3.30. He said, oh, okay, cool. Mind, now, mind you, let me preface this by saying like this whole story was about a year or so ago. So he contacted the shop, spoke with Trevor and asked if we did trades. At at the time, obviously our trading policy was a little different, but yes, we did trades. So Trevor told him, "Yeah, brother, we do trades." So he said, "Cool, I have an FNX 45 Tactical with an RMR that I'd like to trade, which at the time we had an FNX 45 Tactical brand new for like 1250, I think, and my Python was priced at either 1599 or 1699." And so we were like, "Oh, well, you know, we've we've had an FNX for some time now. We've had it for like a month." And we haven't sold it, so I'm not super crazy about taking in a used one, but the fact that it has an RMR is whatever, right? So Trevor explained to the guy, like, hey, man, like, yes, we might potentially be able to do it. You might have to come with a little bit of cash on your end, but, you know, that's something we can discuss in person. So the guy says, okay, cool. But Trevor explained, like, hey, man, like, listen, you know, if you were buying the gun, like, we don't we don't hold a firearm, Unless you put a deposit. So obviously you want to do some sort of trade-in. So obviously, I'm sure you don't want to put a deposit. Guy's like, no. So Trevor's like, okay, cool. We can't hold it without the deposit. Awesome. So we thought that was the end of that. Mind you, this was... This was... Friday? No, I'm sorry. As you were. This was Thursday. Yeah, this was like Thursday at like 3 o'clock. So... Friday comes around. We're obviously a little bit busier on Fridays than we are on Thursdays. Friday comes around. Earl comes in. Earl had called me, right? And like I said, Earl's a personal friend of mine. Earl called me and asked if we could hold it, I think, on Wednesday. We told him the same thing. No, brother, you know. Unfortunately, no, we don't hold firearms, you know, especially something like that, right? Mind you guys, this was a year ago. This was a different lateral limits, different Keenan, different policies, Uh, plus, I mean, even now that gun's not the easiest gun to get. So a year ago, obviously, no, we don't really hold stuff regardless of who you are. So we, we sell the gun to Earl. Earl comes in at three o'clock on Friday. So this is about a full 24 hours after this dude called Earl comes in, pays for it, tax title, license, everything, right? Leaves with the gun. I knew that this other fellow was interested. He hadn't shown up yet, so I figured, well, maybe he doesn't really care anymore. But I went on Texas Gun Trader. I didn't delete the post, which I feel like is important. I didn't delete it. I marked the item as sold so that if he would have clicked on it, he would have seen, okay, it's sold. So from, and then I also marked it as sold on my website. I didn't delete it off the website or I kept it active and marked it as sold out. So we thought that was kind of the end of that. Friday ends. Saturday, we're setting up. It's like 9.40. We're like finishing up the you of the morning routine. A dude pulls up right in front of the front door. I, he gets out and he has a FN like bag, which FNs don't come in cases. They come in like it's almost like a little range bag. He walks from... You know, he walks in the shop or whatever, and I can just tell, like, oh, shit, this is the dude. He walks in, I'm, like, setting up a gun or whatever, and he said, I said, hey, uh, howdy, you know, how are you today, man? Uh, someone we can help you with. He said, uh, yeah, I spoke with someone uh, yesterday, which it wasn't yesterday, the day before, but semantics. So I spoke with someone yesterday about trading in uh, an FN, and I said, oh, for my Python, my cold Python. He said, yep. I said, well, unfortunately, man, that gun did sell. So, he proceeded to curse a rather decent amount. And as he stormed out, he slammed my glass door open so hard it hit the concrete bollard. I thought it would have cracked the door, but it didn't. Uh, And then he left. Peeled out and everything, all that fun stuff. So, I was like, oh, shit, that dude's definitely... You just have a feeling. And I was like, man, that dude's definitely going to... Leave a shit-ass review, which he did, and I'll gladly read it out to you guys. So, one-star review. It was 10 months ago. I said a year, but it was actually 10 months ago now that I read it. His review states, not good to do business with. Talk with him on the phone. Drive 45 minutes to get there to find out they sold the firearm out from under you. Poor way for veterans to treat veterans. One-star is the lowest rating anyone can give, or it would be zero. Also, if you're one of the three people on Google that liked that review, I hope next time you go to a a steak like a restaurant, I hope they outlandishly overcook your shit. So that's the problem, right? Is that obviously the the way that it was handled on his side was pretty abysmal, which first off, I didn't even know the dude was a veteran. Not that that would have mattered in the case. We explained to him like, listen listen, you, we can't hold the gun without a deposit. And I understand he wanted to trade in a gun. And I get that. I totally understand that. But our policy is still the same. Like he could have sent us a deposit. We held it. If it, we would have deemed it like, okay, I can do a title for title sort of thing. I'd obviously refund the money, but he didn't want to entertain that because he didn't know if he was going to come, which I understand. But also like piss poor planning on his part why does that deem I should get a one-star review? Because he didn't call, which he said he came like all the way from Fort Worth. But like, that's what I'm trying to express is that as a business owner, right? I didn't do anything wrong there. Right. Could I have called him? Yes. But also that's not really my responsibility. Like if you want a product from me. And so he didn't call before he left Fort Worth on a Saturday to come here to, to come to get a gun from me. That's probably one of the most sought after firearms in the industry the Python. And he didn't call before he left his house. Now that obviously has nothing to do with me. That's just improper planning on his part. Now to piggyback off of that, as a business owner, what I'm trying to express is that you're going to get customers like that. And when you do, don't lose sleep over it. I remember back, back when Facebook you gave like star reviews instead of like recommendations. I got a four-star review when I was just doing like concealed carry classes like 10 years ago. And I legitimately lost sleep over it. And then I looked at my database. I never even taught this dude a class. He gave me a four-star review for basically no reason. And I commented like, oh my gosh, like I'm so sorry. Like what can I do to get a five-star review? I, I like lost sleep over the whole thing because I had like a perfect record leaving up to that and that's what most people tend to misunderstand is one as a business owner when you get a shit review don't lose sleep over it you're not going to change anyone's mind and a lot of people so my unpopular opinion is that if you have if you have a really good experience at a business you're less likely to leave a review than if you have a an absolutely abysmal experience out of business. So if you have a one star experience at a business, chances are you're going to leave a one star review. But if you have a five star review at a business, you expect that out of most businesses, therefore you will not leave a review. If that sort of makes sense, which I don't really know if it does, but that's that's sort of my hot take for the day is that most of the time when you when you look at the person who gave you a terrible review. If you look at their actual, like, let's say Google profile, right? Most of their reviews are going to be negative. And I mean, I understand that most people are more inclined to leave a negative review. If you have a negative experience than they are to leave you a positive review, if you have a positive one. And that's something that's sort of the hill that I'm going to die on, right? Is that You should not be more inclined to leave that negative review if you have a shitty experience. And also, furthermore, you need to give the business an opportunity to make it right. Now, obviously, to this guy that left me a one-star review, there's no way that I could have made it right in his eye because he left his home, wasted, so say, 45 minutes, all this other fun stuff. And... There's no way that I could have been like, listen, because obviously I didn't have another python to sell the guy. So there are times where as a business, you can't please everyone. And I want to, I can't stress that enough, is that you physically cannot please everyone. You're going to have those people that are just super negative, regardless of anything. Right? Take my friend uh, Chastity, for example. She owns a little coffee shop in Garland called Fifth Avenue Nutrition. Which, if you guys are ever on that end of Garland, you definitely need to check them out. It's a pretty cool little place. It's very small, um, but they make great coffee. They serve mostly Black Rifle coffee, I believe, but they have pretty good stuff. I normally get the uh, – and all, all of her drinks are like named after guns and all that other stuff. But obviously, they're a really big like law enforcement supporter and stuff like that. So she got a one-star review and I'm paraphrasing this. I don't, I'm not looking at the review. I'm just kind of remembering the conversation that I had with her about it was she got a one-star review because someone said that her, her, the vibe of her shop was like super like back the blue or like pro police. And like, it just, it was like super oppressive to them. I mean, literally all Chastity has, she just has like, obviously like, patches and and challenge coins and and stuff like that from various police departments that obviously shop with her a lot. And to that person who left that one star review by, by her having a lot of like police paraphernalia around her shop is they found that oppressive, which that's neither here nor there. It's mostly not really, but the, the point that I'm trying to make with that story is that if, you 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 specifically can't please everyone, especially people who physically can't be pleased. So, again, don't lose sleep over just absolute meaningless reviews. Like, it's more common that I get a shit review on Facebook or, like, a non-recommendation thing. I got one from some person that you can quite obviously tell that they're, like, a troll. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, it even says in their bio, this account is a troll account or whatever. And then I try to take I, I try to ask Facebook if they can take it down, and Facebook's like, yeah, no. So like there's just certain things and certain people I can't help. Right? Obviously, I understand that my business is a little bit more volatile than most businesses. Right. Not everyone enjoys firearms. And I get that. I understand it. This is the United States of America. Like you're allowed to think and you're allowed to like whatever it is that you want to like. But just because you disagree with me in my business model or disagree with me in my business doesn't mean that I feel like you should be able to just like shit on my business, you know? And I just, I just think that that's something that people need to take into account. Like when you're at someone's business and you have a less, less than stellar experience with them, take a step back. And think about the repercussions of leaving them an unfair negative review. Okay? And if you think to yourself like, okay, did I, did I give that business an opportunity to, to right their wrong? If you did not give the business that opportunity, then that's, that's very unfair to that, to that business. Now, if you gave them the opportunity to make that, to make that wrong right, and they chose not to, or they were like, "Hey, yeah, no, I'm not recooking that steak. The beer's as cold as it needs to be. I'm not getting any other beer. Or, or no, you asked for that drink. You didn't. You didn't ask for, you know, this one or whatever. If you give them that opportunity and they say no, hey, look, the gloves are off, right? You can leave that negative review. But again, for every negative review that you leave or you feel like you need to leave on social media, Google, Bing, whatever it is. If you look at your own account and you see that you leave a lot more negative reviews than positive ones, then that's a problem, right? So again, don't don't feel as if though you're you deserve a five star experience because if you get one, right, you need to leave a five star review. But if you get a one star experience, you feel obligated to leave that one star. Is all I'm saying. So that's the first little section of that, uh, of this episode of the podcast that's, you know, I really wanted to talk heavily about is like sort of reviews and, and how, how, you know, negative and positive reviews can, can sort of sway uh, that business. So this episode is going to be a little bit shorter. And uh, for this next section of the episode, I wanted to talk about something that I personally believe a lot of businesses don't, especially a lot of businesses in my industry don't believe in. And that's transparency. So as a business um, and sort of as as that middleman between your customer and the products that they want, right? I believe that it's your responsibility to remain transparent with your customers. So if they ask you for a specific product, which most industries aren't like mine, right? So you go to a restaurant, you want a steak, you're going to get a steak unless they're out of steak for some reason. So with my industry a lot of people want very particular products. Kenan, I want this exact firearm. I want this exact suppressor. I want this exact optis, uh, uh, optics. optic, excuse me. I want this exact ammunition, grain manufacturer, whatever. So a lot of people want specifics. Uh less in the last 2 years because obviously beggars can't be choosers in the, you know, in the in the in the COVID sort of market, which is very much opening up now. A lot of things are a lot easier to get. But in, in the business that I'm in, transparency is extremely important. So if you look at most gun stores' website, which we will talk about e-commerce uh, later. I'm going to bring in a few guests that sort of have just like e-commerce stores. So if you look at most gun stores' websites, and I challenge you all to do this. Look at your local gun stores' website. Most gun stores use a company called GearFire which what GearFire does is it allows you to log into your distributorship's sort of portal. And through that distributorship, it shows on your website, on your GearFire website, it shows that the items are in stock in your store. But what they're actually going to do is drop ship from my distributor, right? Which I do feel like is being non-transparent to your customer. So one thing that we stand on is if it's on my website, I have it for the most part, right? Obviously, uh, my my e-commerce does not communicate to my point of sale system. So there are times where we kind of miss stuff, you know, like at the end of the day, we'll go through like, okay, what, what are the big ticket items we sold today? We sold this Glock 19, we sold this gun, we sold this optic, we sold this suppressor. And then we'll try to go on the website and remove it. Obviously, mistakes happen. But aside from human error, for the most part, what's on my website is in stock in my store. That way, if you come to my shop, you know, throughout the day, obviously, we update. we update products at the end of every day. And then also, likewise, we upload products as we get them. But for the most part, if it's on my website, I have it. Most gun stores do not have that policy because they want you to come into their shop thinking that they have a specific firearm when in reality... It's cheaper if you want a $2,000 pistol. It's cheaper for you to prepay for it, me to use your money, which is a good business model, right? Because I can then use, you're getting the product that you want 3-4 days later after you originally thought you get it, but you pay for the item, I then use your money to to pay for it. I have all the pro, I have all the profit and then you get the product that you want, which I totally understand, but transparency in a business is extremely important. And then To piggyback off of that, take, for example, uh, today, right? Mondays were closed, but I got a phone call today asking uh, about transfers. Hey, do you guys accept transfers? Which we do, fun fact. We accept transfers. We charge $25 for transfer fees, uh, but I actually waive the transfer fee in my shop if you spend $50 in the store the day of the transfer, and that does exclude ammunition, which I didn't always do that, but then I got really tired of people buying every gun on the website or on on GunBroker, shipping it to my store, and then just buying a fifty dollar box of ammo that I make like three dollars on four dollars. So uh, we decided to exclude the ammunition from that fifty dollar thing. But I mean, what a, you know, I mean, there's not many gun stores that I know of, uh, which the original idea that I got from that was a cable shop that I used to work at in Louisiana, which it you know it was a similar policy. But I sort of took that policy, kind of morphed it into my own, and ran with it. And for the most part, I think it's really good. There's not many places that do do that. And also on top of that, there's not many places that have a $25 transfer fee either. You know, not a brick-and-mortar store. Your your home-based guys might have that, but a brick-and-mortar store is probably not going to have a $25 transfer fee. And so uh, the main thing about that the the reason why I brought that up is we got a question and asked about transfer fees which generally if someone asks about a transfer I always try to you know tell them like hey like yeah you know this is our transfer policy however if there's something specific that you're looking for um you know please like give me a shot as a business you know give me a, give me a chance to earn your business but like one really big thing about us is like I'll make a few phone calls like let's say you want some really hard to get item I'm going to make some phone calls. Give me like two days, right? Give me two days to earn your business. If I cannot earn your business in those two days, I will even find somewhere that has that product that you want. And to me, to to Keenan as, as a consumer point of view, I do think that's incredibly important is transparency through a business. Cause some gun stores would be like, all right, cool. You know, for that specific gun, it's, it's $1,900. They take a deposit, fifty percent, twenty five percent, hundred percent. Some stores, whatever whatever the deposit policy is, they take your deposit without knowing when they're going to get that product. And that is not something that I really believe in from a entrepreneurial side. Like I think by me being honest, you know, although it sucks, you know, you know, on a two thousand dollar gun, I might make four four ish. $100 profit depending on the farm. You know, it sucks. You know, could I hold on to your money for a month, two months, three months, six months even and have a chance at at making that $400 profit? Yes. But I would rather you get the exact product that you want as an in consumer. I feel like that's more important by you getting that that quicker gratification that that's sort of like and I wouldn't say instant, but it's faster, right? You get the gun that you want in a week as opposed to six months, right? I don't make the $400 profit. I only make $25 or if you buy $50 worth of product, I might make 10 bucks, but I'd rather the customer get the exact product that they want as opposed to me making all the profit. And I believe from a consumer standpoint of keen and not really entrepreneurial side, But I think that that's more important. I think it's more important. Obviously, I want to stay in business and I want to make money. Like, who who goes into business without the idea of making a decent amount of money? But the end game of a retail business, anyway, is I sell a specific product or service. And my goal in life is to get that product or service into the hands of the consumer whatever that product or service might be. And it may not be my product or service that I'm selling directly to them. I may have to facilitate a transfer, if you will, of that product or service. You know, like, listen, again, transparency is really important, right? We do seracoding, And by we, Kena, I do seracoding. I can do just about anything. I mean, most of it's stencil work. It's pretty simple. For the most part, obviously there's a lot of talent involved and stuff, but you know, there's, there's one thing that I just really don't like to do. And I'm not very good at it is that that's cryptic camouflage. You know, I just, I just don't like to do it. I just don't think that the way I do, it looks very good. Now, obviously if I practice a a decent amount more, and if I, if I keep taking in cryptic projects, would I become exponentially better at it? Probably. But transparency again is important. I'm very transparent with my customers, like, hey, guys, I'm, that's just not my thing, right? That's not really the sort of the sort of camouflage that I really enjoy doing. I just don't think I'm very good at it. However, you know, uh, if you really want Cryptek Camouflage, one of my really good friends, Brett, uh, he's back home in Louisiana. Fun fact, Brett was my first squad leader in the Marine Corps. Uh, Brett uh, kind of taught me a little bit on seracoding and how to do it and everything. He's a really good dude. If if you want Kryptek done or if you want bluing done, could I potentially do it? Probably. I could learn how to blue. You know, I could I could get better at Kryptek camouflage. But if you want that done, I generally recommend you know someone like Brett. Now again, I'm not making the money. If anything, it's it's more of a, a pain in the ass on my part because then I have to, you know, transfer it to his FFL. I have to do this. I have to do that. But the main thing is that if if I cannot get you the product or service that you want, as 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 an entrepreneur, as a as a business owner of sort of, if that's your if that's your market where you're providing a product or service, whether it's yours or someone else's. It's your responsibility to still get the customer what they want, even though, even though you may take a hit on it. And that's where I stand as a business owner. And generally speaking, that's that's the way it works at lateral limits. You want a specific gun? Like I said, give me two days. If I can't find it in two days, I'm going to call you. Say, hey, hey, I cannot get this, but like, here's a link to a gun broker. You know, a gun broker, someone on gun broker that has this specific firearm. Or someone, you know, here's a web. here's a link to the website that has this specific magazines that you're looking for that I can't get through my distributors at this time. You know, it makes it a little bit more difficult that way. But a lot of customers appreciate that. You know, a lot of customers appreciate the whole sort of painless transaction, even though, and a lot of them do understand that even though I'm not, I don't really have a, you know, I don't have a, a chicken in the fight, so to speak, but a lot of customers will understand and appreciate the effort that I'm putting in. And that the fact that I am being transparent. So again, that, that is something that we sort of stand on as a is is, you know, that transparency. And I, I feel that as an entrepreneur, especially in my line of work, transparency is extremely, extremely important. And especially when like take me, for example, where I feel like that sort of policy on how we have and that sort of attitude towards getting consumers what they want, it got us to where we are, especially, I mean, you have to look at where we were two years ago to where we are now. I have a lot more buying power now. I have a lot more distributorships at my disposal now. I have a lot more friends in the industry that if I can't get it, I can call a few other FFLs, gun stores, SOTs, things like that to see like, hey... I don't have this. I can't get this. Do you have it? And what's your price? What are you willing to sell it to my customer for? Or some some you know some some dudes that I deal with, they'd be like, hey, Keenan, I'll tell you what, man, you know, we can split the profit. You know, that way you get to eat dinner, I get to eat dinner, everyone everyone goes about their life. So having that sort of mentality two years ago, I think made us into who we are now because like I said, where we're at now is vastly different than where I was September 17th of 2020, uh, when we first opened, right? And so, especially in the market that I moved into, into the environment that I put myself in, not knowing anyone in the city of Garland, being the the new kid on the block, having that sort of mentality, I think, really drove my business into where it is now and a lot of people a lot of people really respected the fact that we were upfront and honest about certain things you go into a gun store and you say hey you know i want a scar 17 they will take your deposit without ever knowing how long it's going to take for them to get a scar 17 whereas again like us we'll make some phone calls if i can't make it happen in 48 hours i'm going to call you say hey I got a link for you with your email. Uh, I'll send it to you. Feel free to send us on the transfer. You know, instead of me making six, $700 on the SCAR sale, I'll make 25 bones off a of transfer. Easy day. All right, easy day. So, again, guys, that's sort of my spiel for, uh, for that is just sort of transparency in business. Again, uh, well, you know, I'll start closing out here. This, this episode is going to be a little bit shorter than, than what they have been previously. It's just me. And then I just want to kind of talk about a couple things that were sort of near and dear to my heart is that um, obviously transparency in business and then sort of like talking about, you know, reviews, whether they be positive or negative on both the consumer standpoint as well as the entrepreneurial standpoint. So that's that, uh, the next couple episodes that we have, I do have a couple guests that are lined up, so that should be pretty interesting. Our next guest, uh, I was gonna get my buddy John on the horn. Uh, it'll be a, a few more episodes before we get John on to talk about the real estate side of business and, and signing leases and tips and things like that. So that should be really exciting and uh, you guys should definitely look forward to that. But the next one that we're gonna have on is gonna be my buddy Jerry. He's a professor of mine over at Wolfpack MMA in Forney where I've been training for a little while now. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about, uh, we're going to talk slightly about, you know, his personal entrepreneurial journey, but, uh, from his standpoint, I'd really like to start diving into, uh, violence, the sort of way of men, you know, masculinity and, and things of that nature. So the next episode we are going to shift gears from entrepreneurship, more to like manhood sort of, uh, sort of thing going on. So that should be really interesting. And nice uh, change of pace there. So it should be really fun. So guys, please look forward to that video. As always, we will always end our podcast with the suicide prevention hotline, which is simply 988. Guys, if you're ever experiencing anything and you just, you really need someone to talk to, you know, it's, it's obviously really difficult at times to, to have friends to talk to, especially if you're dealing with something that can be really embarrassing. Um, Feel free to give that, that, that number a call. It's just simply 988. It's a shorter, simpler number, the suicide prevention hotline. Just give them a shout. There's always going to be someone. It's open 24 hours. Just give someone a shout, man, and, and uh, give them a chance at talking you off that ledge. Or not necessarily you're suicidal or anything, but maybe just sometimes you just need someone to talk to, and you you know you're you know you're embarrassed to bring to your friends and family. So again, guys, the number to the suicide prevention hotlines nine eight eight. So guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, this is Keenan over at Lateral Limits, your friendly neighborhood SOT. Uh, as always, uh, if you guys ever need anything from the shop. Our website is www.laterallimits.com. Phone number is going to be nine seven two eight three six zero five six five. You can call or text that number. Uh, you can text it twenty four hours a day. Uh, you can give us a call in time during business hours, which we are open Tuesday to Friday from nine thirty a.m. to six p.m. and we're open Saturdays from nine thirty to three thirty. We're closed Sundays and we're open on Mondays by appointment only. So if you guys have any issues, please feel free to swing by the shop. We're located at 5219 Broadway Boulevard, Suite 103 in Garland, Texas. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this fourth episode of the podcast. Please look forward to our next one uh, where we will be bringing in my good old friend Jerry Gonzalez. Guys, as always, thank you so much and stay groovy.